going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Monday afternoon. Oh, it was such a beautiful weekend, wasn't it? I hope you had a chance to get out, wander about, because the snow is back, although we did just poke our head out, and it appears that it has stopped here along 17th Avenue. (laughs) And watch out. This is really heavy snow, so don't be like my husband and said, I'm going to wait till it all stops, because I think that's going to be the heart attack snow you might have to worry about. Don't want to complain about it anymore. We see much better things For next weekend, we just have to get through this week. At 3.30, I'm going to be bringing on global reporter Tom Vernon because as you heard in the news, the provincial government just introducing the legislation that they talked about last week, this isn't a surprise, but the idea of the uh, legislation that will restrict the flow of oil, gasoline, natural gas leaving our province. And I definitely will be opening up the phone lines at 3.30 as well. Just for your thoughts on that, I have to say... Prior to the Sunday meeting between Horgan and Notley and Trudeau, I thought, yeah, you know, we got to do something to send the message to B.C. But I think in light of what came out of the meeting with Bill Morneau being told to now work on some kind of a financial agreement with Kinder Morgan, I think it is now really as it always has been between... Ottawa and BC. But I'll expand on that at 3.30 and I definitely want to hear from you as well. We have talked about this in different forms many times in the past. The whole idea of a obesity epidemic concern about our widening girth and oftentimes you know it's it's a huge health concern not oftentimes it is because of the increase in in diabetes and other health related issues because of obesity. But whenever we have this conversation, we invariably talk about a sugar tax. Because even like our carbon tax, it's supposed to change our behavior. That's why governments constantly increase cigarette tax. Although we also know that they like all the money that comes from cigarettes. But that's the idea. The idea is a tax is supposed to change our behavior. So it seemed pretty straightforward that, well, if we want people to stop eating sugar... Let's just tax it more. Ah, but you know what? When we look at things like alcohol, tobacco, and sugar, not quite the same thing if we are talking about a specific tax. I want to bring in Sarah Vesenden. She's a lecturer in anthropology at the University of British Columbia. She joins us today. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Angela. Thank you for having me. It does seem like a simple thing. If we want people to stop eating sugar, let's just tax it more. And then if it's too expensive, they'll change your behavior. It's not that simple, is it? No, it doesn't seem to be. So most definitely a sugar tax seems like a rather reasonable way to go about combating chronic disease and the spread of it globally, not just in Canada, but all over the world. And over 13 countries have actually enacted these, just these very taxes. Um, but there's a number of problems with it. Uh, so that's ultimately what my article is about. Um, and this is something I came to as a mom. Um, I have a two-year-old and also spending years as a researcher and a volunteer in some of the poorest neighborhoods in North America. And really, what I ultimately want to advocate for is meaningful and effective solutions to things like hunger and then, of course, 
these related diseases mm. when we're talking about first world countries as well. Sarah, even when I said that I, I think when we look at cigarette taxes, that's different than a sugar tax because cigarette is a, a single product. Someone smokes cigarettes and we're trying to change that behavior. But if we're talking about a sugar tax, oh my gosh, sugar is in everything. And you start to say, well, wait, so are anything that has sugar? Is, so that's why I was saying it doesn't seem as straightforward when we talk about maybe an alcohol tax or a cigarette tax. Would you agree? I, I do. I completely agree. And they, those that propose the sugar tax in most of the countries and cities, of course, that have enacted these taxes, they've actually done it on, they've tried to make it simpler and done and uh, put the tax on sugar-sweetened beverages, so mm. soda pop. Mm-hmm. Although if there's a certain percent of fruit juice, then that's suddenly exempt. So they've tried to make it more direct and meaningful. The problem is, as you say, sugar really is in everything. And it's not just the sugar in sodas that causes obesity and hypertension and heart disease. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in our pasta sauce. Yeah. So when it's not just in everything, it's in the foods that are accessible, that are cheap, that are affordable, and that are easy to prepare. I mean, we are busy, and I don't know how many of us really have that much time to create our own marinara sauce, Mm -hmm. so we opt for the jar. When you look at those 13 countries, have there been studies to show that enacting um, a sugar tax has made a change in what people's health, overall health is like, or in their choices when it comes to purchasing, even if we're talking about pop? Well, so I've seen the biggest study has come out of Mexico because they've had it the longest, it seems. And there has been a slight decrease in the consumption of sugary drinks, but, or the sugar-sweetened beverages, rather, Mm -hmm. but they, uh, but there hasn't been any data that's come in on how it's affected obesity rates or hypertension or diabetes or these kinds of things. Um, so really, it seems like it's a bigger problem that needs more than a kind of a little Band-Aid solution. It was funny. The other day I was looking at some old pictures from my family and we're talking my mom and dad in the 50s and the 60s. And and I have to say, whenever you'd have group shots, everyone kind of looked the same. They were all <laughs> me- medium-sized people. And mm-hmm. when did we start to see those pictures change where we have, you know, people say they go to Disney World or they go to the States and it seems so much more apparent that there are much larger people. So can we even kind of go back to a point and a lot of people say when it became cheaper to make processed food and as you touched on our busy lives and people were buying them more and eating them more? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've had varying rates of obesity and these other chronic diseases over the centuries, but but really the the best kind of link that we can find is the uh, introduction of a Western diet. So one really quite good case study are some island nations and these kinds of studies that have been done that show as soon as you get a Western diet, so foods laden with sugar and fats and salts, that suddenly you get this huge, massive transformation Mm -hmm. in the population's health, which includes obesity and these other diseases. So even when you say the Western diet with sugar, fat, and salt... Maybe it's not just the sugar that's the bad guy here, but let's let's just stay with sugar for this half hour. So that would be a, a topic for another day. 
All right. So how about then if we switched things around here, as opposed to thinking of taxing, how do we address the problem of the obesity and what it's leading when it comes to our health issues? Well, I think it's important to start asking the question of why we have all these foods that are so full with sugar that are so accessible that we, in a way, we have no other choice than to purchase and consume. So I think that what we need to do first is ask that question of why. And that leads us to a completely different range of answers and therefore solutions. So, and this is what is probably a bit scarier to do because ultimately it means an overhaul of our food system. Mm. Because we're asking about history, we're asking about cultural attitudes, we're asking about policy and power, and those are harder to answer, but that doesn't mean that they're not answerable. And in my, I teach an anthropology food class at the University of British Columbia, and my students, when we bring up these kinds of topics, they are really eager and excited to tackle them. They don't feel like it's something to be afraid of or not confront, but an opportunity to be creative and create the kinds of food systems that would provide more sort of just, equitable, healthy, um, affordable food for everyone. Mm. Uh, you know what, sometimes when you start to say if we have to start looking at the history and the culture, maybe someone might say that's too daunting, let's just tax sugar. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what happens. And But the problem is it, then just, it just distracts us. So if it doesn't get to the root of the problem, then it doesn't really fix anything. Well, I want to try to get to that route. Let's take a break here. Sarah Fesedin, she is a lecturer in anthropology at UBC, and we are talking about the history, going back as to where this all began when we were just inundated with cheap food full of sugar. We're back after this. 403-974-8255, the number to call or text. And I'm, I'm getting a lot of text people thinking that I'm endorsing a sugar tax. Please, I am not endorsing a sugar tax. And, and that's why I've said it bothers me that taxes are even um, thrown out there. We know carbon tax, we still have to heat our homes. So there's big problems with that. You know, I, I think some people will say that a, a cigarette tax has changed people's smoking behavior. I, you know, I'm not going to argue that. But uh, one person here just said, uh, let's see. Oh, and for goodness sake, another tax, carbon tax is not stop people driving alcohol taxes have not stopped people drinking cigarette tax has not stopped people from smoking stop giving the government more money to waste it's time to get back to personal responsibility and stop blaming irrelevant things um let's see here uh okay it kind of broke up there but but sarah i think most of my <laughs> listeners and most canadians would say okay come on another tax but if if we want to talk about changing things though and i said let's do a little bit of history and in your article and i encourage people to check it out on the conversation.com just the idea of how sugar taxes punish the people you do kind of go back in time to when suddenly corn was pretty cheap to make. Tell me about the, the history of corn. Well, it, that's more of a U.S.-based example, um, but corn became cheaper really during the World Wars and World War II, and it's a little bit out of my sort of purview of expertise as an anthropologist. Um, but it just became highly subsidized. Mm -hmm. And what happened is that farmers were and are paid to produce lots and lots of corn, more than we need. 
And corn is this kind of remarkable uh, thing. Mm. I mean, it's worldwide, you know, consumed everywhere. And it can be transformed into so many different things. And one of the things it has been transformed into is high fructose corn syrup. Now, that's not really as much of a problem in Canada. Uh, you know, if you go and look at a can of, of soda pop, it's it's sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, but But kind of back to Canada, I mean, sugar has had a profound effect Uh, or the sugar industry has had profound influence and effect, I suppose, in the making of Canada. There's this wonderful uh, CBC documentary from a few years ago about the history of sugar, and it notes that the British kept Canada because that was what the sugar industry wanted. Um, They didn't want competition from the sort of French sugar islands, Mm. so they ended up keeping Canada. And, I mean, this industry still has profound influence Um, So I think my suggestion is to shift our gaze away from the consumer and on to the producers. Well, and and so shifting it on to the producers then, how how does that look? Are are you saying that we've got to watch how some some sectors in the agriculture industry are subsidized? I'm just wondering how it would look for you. Yes, absolutely. And actually not just production, but distribution as well. Yeah. So at the production end, think of you know asking those questions about subsidies as well as influence in politics. And in terms of distribution, things like marketing. I mean, we have, you know, sugary cereals are marketed to children. Um, so I, I mean, kind of ironically, I, <laughs> I'm a little bit against the personal responsibility. So are you there? That sounded so weird. You know what, Pat? Yeah, Pat will call her back, um, but it was almost like she just paused when she was talking about that. And and yeah, we know sugary cereals and how we have taken steps to change that as well as far as when they can be advertised and, you know, stores making sure. Do stores still have cereal right at the bottom where the little kids can see it? But hopefully we can get uh, Sarah on before we run out of time because I think the other part that I wanted to make sure we got into was... Yes, sugar can be the bad person. Let's see. Sarah, are you there now? Yeah. That was sorry. so funny because it was in a perfect pause. So I was just waiting for you to say the other word because I tend to jump on people too quickly. But you were touching on about sugary cereal for children. Ironically, yes. you said something and then it dropped out. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ironically, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm not completely against the personal responsibility argument, but but it is a kind of cultural attitude and value that we have, and I uphold it in many circumstances. But we do have to think about the fact that we only have so many choices before us at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. And again, those choices are constrained not just by literally what's in front of us, but also by things like time and affordability as well. I want to get into uh, shifting it from talking about uh, sugar, and maybe we have to look at ensuring that the the better choices, the better foods, the whole foods that are out there are more affordable and that we have an awareness campaign about how you can make better choices. Absolutely. I think that the healthier foods, that's really our first step. So we need to make the healthy foods more accessible and more affordable. And... Uh, that's absolutely the first step. And instead of making 
the unhealthy foods, so to speak, more expensive, why don't we instead make the healthy foods more affordable? Because that is already a problem. Affordability of food is a huge problem. I've spent uh, countless hours in Vancouver's downtown east side with not just people who have literally nothing, but people who do have something, and yet they are still so grateful for fresh produce that we have to give out. So as much as we we talk about a sugar tax is a bad idea, I think policymakers, though, feel that if they tax, yes, they'll get the revenue. But I also think then they feel like they're at least addressing the issue. Exactly. And I think that that's another kind of distraction where your conscience is their conscience is kind of alleviated. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we did something and we can tell the public that we did something when in reality, nothing meaningful was done. Well, I like the way of looking at it differently, especially I've never been in favor of the sugar tax, but I do like even let's look at how we can get healthier choices out there and that they're not so expensive. Sarah, thanks for having the conversation with us. Thank you so much, Angela. Sarah Fezenden, she's a lecturer in anthropology at the University of British Columbia food anthropology. Uh, let me just get through a few texts here. Am I the only one, Brad says, tired of ever the ever-expanding taxes? No, Brad, I think everyone's tired of that. There should be a tax on people who want to tax other people. Uh, let's see, another one says, if we have to ask the question why, then we continue to have our head in the sand. The answer is money. We demand cheap food. The makers then find the easiest way to, let's see here, the easiest way to put it in crap. Yeah, you're you're right. It's it's you, it's me. It's people saying that we are so busy that I'd rather have something that is full of sugar. So it's a bigger conversation than just saying, let's put a tax on sugar. Let's take a break here. After news, we are going to talk more about the provincial government and its latest tool in the toolbox. We're back after this.